Today on the Tappy Show, UAW President October Stream Livestream, but without censorship and with my charming personality, Dylan Mulvaney wins Woman of the Year again. ACT scores are a 32-year low after the teachers' union demanded school shutdowns during the pandemic, and they want more money, of course. Ford says they've reached their limit on the latest offer to the UAW. Vivek on danger of illegal aliens in Israel and the USA goes viral. DeSantis War Room publishes a Trump speech on Israel, and it actually backfires. Dollar General brings back the former CEO. Luxury goods holding company LVHM misses expectations and their stock dips. Chipotle is rising prices for the first time in a year due to inflation. And child bibs are being recalled due to an ironic choking hazard. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder release twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. And yes, for the entire month of October, we are giving away a free 37mm flare launcher with every 37k purchase or more. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn a little bit more about the details. And lastly, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Dollar General bringing back their former CEO as their stock here today is down 58.73%, now down to a mere $101 per share. Now specifically, it looks like they're bringing back Todd Vesos, who's actually coming out of retirement to help try to fix the company. And according to the statement from Dollar General, he'll be re replacing Jeff Owen immediately. And this was from the news last Thursday. Now, in terms of Dollar General, a lot of these dollar stores being attacked at all fronts, one of the biggest issues for them is, one, 40-year hyperinflation, thanks to the U.S. government. And, of course, it's a dollar store, so your buying power is less and less. Their profit margins are shrinking. Inevitably, they have to raise the prices on some of the items, which in and of itself kind of loses the attraction of the dollar store when you go there and you see prices marked up more and more. You saw this with their rival, which would be dollar, G dollar family dollar, as well as the other major competitor, which I believe is Family Tree or Dollar Tree. So it'll be interesting to see if this, they call him the CEO, but that's, I don't wanna say it's not good marketing, but how is the leader of Dollar General not called the general? Uh, again, I think that's a marketing missed opportunity to be sure. It'll be interesting to see, previously Vastos actually served from their CEO from June, 2015 to November, 2022. And, of course, in the most politically correct way possible, the company, they didn't want to blame the last CEO, but this is what they said, quote, The board has tremendous respect for Jeff and is great, appreciates his many contributions to the company, especially during his long tenure leading our retail operations, unquote. Now, this is from the chairman, Michael Calbert, from the company's board of directors. And they said, quote, additionally, quote, However, at this time, the board has determined that a change in leadership is necessary to restore the stability and confidence in the company moving forward, unquote. It looks like Owen had been he was CEO for less than a year. And of course, during that time, their sales crashed. They also had criticism from federal officials and activists for having unsafe stores employ employees at risk, unquote. Which is ridiculous. We've seen a couple articles about that getting some fees slapped on because there's boxes in the middle of the aisles. Which, again, it's one of those things. It's the entry-level Olympics. If you ever want to go shop at the Dollar General, part is 
part of the experience it's kind of the excitement just knowing it's not like a target if you go to a target you know it's going to be really bright lights clean everything's organized Dollar general you gotta be in shape to go to that store you gotta leap over the bounds and all the hazards which i would say actually makes it more of an entertaining shopping experience so i would say you know what you're getting into so to say it'll be interesting to see as the store seems to be attacked on all fronts what will they be able to do to turn things around as more and more people are becoming more price conscientious these days and they're trying to look for more bargains but again their margins are shrinking a lot of their goods actually come from overseas which again those costs are exploding throughout the years it'll be interesting to see what happens to the general and at the end of the day will he be victorious but as i always say time shall tell other interesting business news you have lvhm sales drop as demand for luxury goods dampen and their wine and spirits division is specifically down 14 percent now although the name i don't want to say it's an f for creativity in terms of the acronym lvhm it stands for something i'm going to butcher admittedly enough moet hennessy louis vuitton so i think i got the last part right but it's basically the holding company of all the luxury goods you could ever possibly fathom and historically they've been extremely successful and the founders he's a brilliant entrepreneur he saw an opportunity in the market. He basically went out and he acquired the most luxurious brands out there, formed a holding company. And most when you combine lots of businesses together that are in similar industries, you get a lot of you get a lot of benefits for economies of scale. A lot of the same perfumes use the same core products or for core components. So if you're buying a larger bulk, you get a better price per unit. So there's a lot of advantages to buying a lot of these companies that are in the same industries. Now, there are over how many is this? One, two, three, six, nine. There's probably over 100 in here, but I'm going to name a couple of the brands you probably recognize that they own. And a couple of those include, let's see here. You got Hennessy, a bunch of champagne companies I can't pronounce. You got Dior, Louis Vuitton, Marc Jacobs. Let's see here. Sephora, uh, Marc Jacobs Beauty. You got... Tag Heuer, Tiffany & Co, Zenith, and most French companies I can't fathom to pronounce. But nevertheless, rest assured, if it's a fancy company, odds are they're all part of this new company. Now, in terms of the breakdown of how their sales have been going, they blame the weak demand in China as one of the reasons why they're having their sales drop precipitously, which makes sense. For years, China has been one of the fastest growing economies. They've been buying up more and more goods. But there's a little precarious situation where the government's kind of propping up the whole economy and the way they measure GDP. So that balloon may suspect will be popping soon. Although perhaps a better metaphor, oh no, balloon is good. They had that fun hot air balloon come over the United States and show how inept our military power is when we just allow the balloon to stay there. So the balloon metaphor stands. Now, looks like specifically they said the biggest area of the company is leather goods. That division is up 9%. But their wine and spirits division is down 14% compared to the same time period over 2022. They also know that jewelry and watches divisions are down as well. And anecdotally speaking, I know a couple of friends who are collecting watches and they've talked to me about the price fluctuations. I can't help but think that market is bloated and that's going to be the next bubble to burst, to say. Although, as we know, the, the true OG, as the youth might say, they just need one suit and one watch forever. Garmin, it's bulletproof. Just as good as a Rolex. We'll see how the comments section take that comment. Now, interestingly enough, they also noted that this is the first time the company missed expectations in more than three years, which of course, being a publicly traded company, 
perhaps one of the worst things you could possibly do is miss what expectations of all the analysts. Because again, that's when they downgrade their stock, that's when the stock price goes down, that's when people sell. It's pretty much the most negative sign that could be ha had as a publicly traded company. And we talked about this before on the show where some company stocks just drop by almost double digits when they go for that phenomenon. Now they noted in terms of the, the stock trend overall, I looked at the six month trend for this stock. The six month trend is down at 28%. Now the one month trend is down at 19.19%. And last week it was down about 6%, going down to a mere $141 per share. And it's also kind of, many people are wondering if this is a indicator of a greater economic issues where a lot of people know there's economic uncertainty. In terms of my IT company, we notice this, we work primarily with businesses and a lot of the businesses are putting projects on hold, which used to be, I would say simple projects or a simple sign off by you know the president or CEO. Some of them are actually delaying projects because there's so much uncertainty. They don't know if they're gonna be regulated out of existence because of the government with the election. They don't know if hyperinflation is gonna be even worse. So one of those things, there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people who predominantly may purchase these luxury goods Many of them do own businesses. So this also might be an indicator that, well, they're starting to rein in all of their spending. Is it because something even worse is around the corner? That's what a lot of people are concerned about. And I can't help but wonder, perhaps they're right? In terms of the economy in the US, given what the government's doing these days, I would say the outlook is uh, not so good as Magic 8-Ball might say. Although, interestingly enough, Magic 8-Ball would actually have more intelligence than someone in the US government these days. Not saying much, but is this perhaps, well, you could also perhaps argue it's more honest and reliable too. That's a political pun. There we go. Other interesting businesses, you have Chipotle raising prices for the first time in over a year in a futile attempt to offset inflation. Again, thank a congressman for printing more money than ever before, which meant we had to raise interest. Phenomenally disappointing situation our government keeps doing. Now, it looks like when asked for comment, they said, quote, for the first time in over the year, we will be taking a modest price increase to offset inflation, unquote. This is according to Chipotle Chief Corporate Affairs Officer, Lori Schlau. Now, they also know that they're starting hike prices in June 2021. That was the last time they did it, setting the cost of wage for employees, which is hilarious. So every time you see someone who's very pro-union or pro-16, 20, $50 an hour minimum wage, they always say, oh yeah, it doesn't really increase the cost of goods sold. I mean, the company will just suck it up. Hilariously, oh, ignorantly enough, they've never owned a business or taken, I was going to say, have a modicum of intelligence or even just taken 12 seconds to think how a business works or how a product is sold. Because, of course, when you increase the cost of goods sold, the cost to the customer increase. Many people would say that's business 101 or common sense 101, but we also know that public schools are all-time low for pretty much every metric level, although the teachers' unions still, they, they, they still deserve more money, they say. However, another topic for another part of the show. Now, Specifically, they looks at uh, the stock for Chipotle. Looks like their stock actually has risen about thirty percent this year, giving them a market valuation of fifty point one billion dollars, which I always found astonishing in and of itself that a burrito company is worth so much. And their marketing is phenomenal in terms of their presentation of the food, the history of the company, you know, having a culinary passion to begin with. And interestingly enough, McDonald's actually was one of the earlier investors and they sold off their shares, I believe, a couple years ago. Can't but think they probably should not have done that. Now. It will be interesting to see how their sales go for fiscal Q3. Those quarterly results will be released publicly on October 26th. So it'll be interesting to see and can't help but wonder, well, will the stock go up precipitously or will it drop like a rock or can't but think 
with all this to cost going up, eventually people are going to get to the point where they don't eat out anymore because eating out just costs more and more and more. What is that breaking point where people finally decide, well, you know, my family's struggling. We have, you know, 40-year hyperinflation. We have no idea if our jobs are going to tomorrow, if the economy is going to tank. I mean, at what point do people really just say enough is enough and they just start to cook at home, which I know is a crazy thought for a lot of people to just think that's, you know, impossible. But it, it'll be interesting to see. But as a wise man once said, time shall tell. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Dil Mulvaney winning Women of the Year. Uh, I was going to say, who could have seen this coming? Well, many people. Controversially enough, Dil Mulvaney is a biological man and is now a trans activist, best well known for destroying Bud Light in terms of Bud Light, brilliant, their marketing manager, Alyssa Heiderschild, who will be never forgotten throughout the history books. They actually hired Dil Mulvaney for be an ambassador program. And they sent Dylan a bottle with Dylan's face on it, celebrating Dylan's 365 days of, many would say, pejoratively mocking women. Um, Dylan's days of womanhood is what Dylan proclaims. I can't use the proper pronouns or the, any pronouns hardly because YouTube will, you know, get rid of the video subsequently. Now, there's actually a speech which, interestingly enough, it might hurt your ears. Let's go ahead and we'll play it around. And I do appreciate all the comments and the feedback. If you know of a good software for picture-in-picture production software, where I can actually have it shown while I'm playing, I really appreciate that. I've tried a couple, but keep on some technical issues. So if you do have any recommendations, I'd greatly appreciate it. So without further ado, this is the Virgin Atlantic sponsored. They're actually one of the ones who gave the award or sponsoring the event. So this is a, I can't tell who on earth, who is this? I'm trying to see if they, I don't know who this person is announcing the award, but nevertheless, we'll start to play this uh, clip. The Woman of the Year Award, supported by Virgin Atlantic, goes to Dylan Mulvaney. Hello, London! I am so honored to be here with you all tonight. And, you know, some see me as the woman of the year, some see me as a woman of a year and some change, as I only publicly came out online 560 days ago. And some people don't see me as a woman at all. I know. Which is why receiving this honor from a queer publication like Attitude means so much more to me. Because here's what I've realized. You ready? Okay. So, no matter how hard I try, or what I wear, or what I say, or what surgeries I get, I will never reach an acceptable version of womanhood by those hateful people's standards. But as long as I have the queer community that sees me for my truth, I'm gonna be okay. I'm equally grateful that this title is happening in the UK, and not just because I am deeply attracted to your accents, which I am, but because I came to London on holiday this summer after months of feeling... It's called for vacation, not holiday. Come on now. ...isolated. And when I arrived, I, I didn't feel that baggage that I was carrying back in the US. And I didn't feel like the trans beer girl. 
You know, I, I, did, I didn't walk into rooms and wonder, oh, does that person hate me? Um, I, I was just another gal walking around in a Burberry trench on her way to a West End musical. And, you know, I, I romanticized this country as a safe place. And as dangerous as it is for trans people here right now, like the hate that was spewed last week, maybe it's less about where we are and more about who we're with. And that if I'm surrounded by people like you all, that this still can be one of my safe spaces. So, when you have a win for trans rights, that's a win for us back in the States too. And I think if we all just adopt a girl's girl mentality and we say goodbye to the scarcity complexes, that we have a better chance of getting through this because they want us to be in competition with each other. They would love nothing more than to see the L's. Wait. Talk about competition. You just won the award. In that case, shouldn't you give the award back if you don't believe in competition? I'm confused. I think many people are, but nevertheless. And the B's and the G's turn their backs on the T's. And to quote the critically acclaimed high school musical franchise, we're all in this together. I know, almost as profound as Shakespeare, but I. Words cannot describe how stupid those statements are in terms of comparing Shakespeare to High School Musical. Actually, I'm surprised anyone has ever legitimately or attempted to legitimately use a quote from those musicals at all. But I suspect that's not even the most controversial thing about this speech. I wanted to give a quick shout out to some of the girls' girls in my life, both cis and trans, that have helped me break away from my scarcity. I did use the Urban Dictionary I found that cis is not a short term for sister, which I thought that was a, what do you call it, slang for short, you know, people like to shorten words to sound hip and cool. How that isn't short for sister is beyond me. I would think that'd be much, that'd make more sense. Also in terms of marketing, getting an F, the award for woman of the year, Dylan is holding an A, which I, why would it not be a W for woman or the woman, the, the gender, the, the sign? The Volvo logo. And interestingly enough, hilariously enough, it's presented by Jaguar. Not Volvo. Another marketing fail. And step into my womanhood. Firstly, my mom for navigating being the parent of a trans daughter while you are watching your child just get slammed by extremist media. She deserves a vacation and maybe also... Extremist media, you say? Fascinatingly enough, Please show me that evidence. There's maybe like three or four contrarian news outlets. They're not, they are in terms of volume of, you know, eyeballs on them. They're very, very small. If you look on any of the major news networks like CNN, MSNBC, even LinkedIn, no one is saying pejorative things about this person. Even articles where they actually go over why Bud Light is losing. Bloomberg, I believe, is our article of last week. They had a big article talking about why Bud Light lost all those sales. Again, $400 million just gone from their fiscal Q2 this year compared to the same time period last year. They didn't even mention Dylan Mulvaney, which again, for that marketing business blunder of the century is the elephant in the room. Or perhaps a more apt metaphor might be the donkey in the room. But nevertheless, back to the acceptance speech. So a Xanax. Um, the gals who glam me and make me feel beautiful, Angie, Kelly, Donnie, and special shout out to the NYC glam dolls, Zenobia and Laurel, because dolls will always make you looking right. Am I right? 
to my life coach, Maury, who has cradled the many tears. To I don't want to say this is a red flag, but if you have a life coach, I have yet to meet someone I respect who has paid for a life coach. I mean, it used to be back in the day, you would just have, you know, good friends, good family, a member of the religious community to help you out. But I can't help but also notice a lot of people who are life coaches are usually people with just kind of failures on their own and charge copious amounts of money just to say, you can do it, Johnny, which again, just get a friend. Nevertheless, back to the speech, and I apologize. I know it's probably very painful for the earballs, so to say. My agent, Steph, who has fought for me in an industry that can be deeply transphobic. To my the industry that's deeply transphobic. This person's got more opportunities than anyone could possibly fathom. Hollywood embraces this and glorifies this to no end. What? Where are the... I have to rewind that. That is so asinine. Here's to my agent, Steph, who has fought for me in an industry that can be deeply transphobic. What? In what way? Name one company that's come out as being against the trans movement. Many people, many companies are being silent on the issue, again, because it's an issue that if you make, for example, tumblers for a living, why would anyone care about your opinion for that subject is beyond me. It makes sense for them not to take a political stand on that. But are there a lot of companies that you know of that are against this, that are proudly proclaiming that? I mean, you don't see that hardly ever. Let me know in the comments, have you seen that? I mean, maybe one or the conservative media companies, yeah, perhaps, but again, facts and reality. To my best friend since we were 10, Lily, who is my date tonight, and my forever plus one, you are the kind of woman that I strive to be, and I cannot wait to eat room service with you at 4 a.m. later. <laughs> to the non-binary and gender non-conforming friends in my life, Alok, Jonathan Van Ness, Fightmaster, thank you for reminding me of life off the binary. And Travis, who worked on the Peace for Attitude, which you should all check out, non-binary humans can and should have a place in both womanhood and the trans experience. Because remember, no scarcity complex allowed around here. And most of all, to the trans women in my life, you have shown me more grace, wisdom, patience, and empathy than I deserve. And it's kind of epic that if I did list out all those names, we'd be here all night. But I still am gonna, so Sasha, Sasha Colby, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but I've got a lot of sisters in the dollhouse, so you are all my wow. women of the year. All these gals that I've mentioned, as well as many more, are a part of my crew and are the reason that I'm still alive. I hope you all have your crews too. Now let's party! And I am interested in dual citizenship. So don't be shy, come dance with me tonight. Okay, I love ya. And then the ends on a big graphic that says Virgin Atlantic Attitude Awards, powered by Jaguar. Which again, the marketing that in and of itself is a marketing business blunder of the day. Why that is not marketed by Volvo is beyond me. And Jaguar, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get that. I mean, yeah, that seems interesting to say the least. And I can't help but notice the parallels with Dylan Mulvaney's, what are people calling it, performance or a speech? But if you look at the video where Dylan first came to fame going on The Price is Right, the same arm movements, the same bombastic way of saying the words are exactly the same. Now, the outfit, of course, did change, but it'll be interesting to see, as this has exploded on social media, I wonder, how are the comments? Do you think they're good, bad, happy, sad? 
we shall go ahead and we'll dive right in. Now, someone by the name of Cross Capital said, quote, How does that make real women feel? A man dresses up in a sparkling clothes and wears makeup and now becomes woman of the year? How does this keep happening? Real women should be outraged by this. You're literally losing out to men. Seems like equal rights and opportunities for women and going in the wrong direction at this point. Person got 458 likes, which is, I believe, one of the most liked responses. Someone actually responded to this person by the name of Salem A saying, quote, Sadly, many women actually support this, which is baffling. Women's beauty pageants are being won by men in Portugal and Netherlands. And this is growing. I don't care for these events, but it's an indication of how women are accepting of this, which is unfortunate, unquote. So it's got 110 likes. Which is very true. It's one of those phenomenons where women, I'd say women in general are much more accepting of uh, things, just kind of based on their attitude, personalities. And you saw this in sports. Really early on, the big controversial situation in sports when you had the collegiate swimming where you had Riley Gaines who tied with a biological man who was the 458th best and then started competing with women by identifying as women, became number one. And a lot of the female athletes weren't speaking up, partially because they were afraid of being socially ostracized, but I think a lot of them are just accepting by nature. And it wasn't until much later, until more of a cultural discussion came around that topic, and more people started to push back saying, well, there's certainly a physical unfair advantage, and these other girls, they're losing out on opportunities because of the situation. Now, going back to more comments, some by name of Darcy said, quote, no matter how hard I try or what I wear or what I say or what surgeries I get, I will never reach an acceptable vision of womanhood by those hateful people standards, unquote. And then a quote within a quote, this person continues to say, quote, he ain't lying. This is not, there is nothing he can do to become a woman. He will always be a woman poser. And Darcy did use a neat little funny emoji of a person going. So fascinating to see how the emoji community is expanding exponentially. That person's got 247 likes. Some by the name of Lowell Napula Jr. said, quote, Dylan, you gotta stop, man, unquote. And I was gonna say, hopefully YouTube will recognize context on quoting something. We'll see what YouTube actually does with this video. Thankfully, it's started trying to put it more in Rumble and more and more. Now, this is this person also did a GIF, or actually just a picture of Beerus Dosecki's brand ambassador just kind of looking disappointed and the text is saying every single day the stupid gets stupider someone by the name of dweller said quote man still gets rewarded for deliberately mocking women unquote getting 24 likes someone by the name of alex blood for flyer said quote when attitude women when attitude magazine awards women of the year to of the year to a man you know it's complete nonsense and they didn't like be, being told and it looks like that publication blocked him and that did get 136 likes. Someone by the name of Hackerney Doctor Terrify said, quote, because you're a man, Dylan, unquote. Hashtag just say man. Got 244 likes. Uh, Justin Brian Galloway said, quote, I doubt he had any surgeries, unquote, getting 29 likes. Which is another controversial thing in the trans community in this cultural phenomenon. As far as we know, Dylan has not had the, what is known in the community as bottom surgery, where they cover your ears if you have children listening they chop off your junk as they might say and it appears that dylan has not had that surgery while dylan has had facial surgery which 
many people who are questioning Dylan's authenticity, most people, well, they're saying, well, that's very easily reversible. Now, going down to more and more comments, let's see here. Leliani Downing said, quote, just embarrassing. He's a drag queen. That's it. Unquote, getting 160 likes. And a lot of people just saying still, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm scrolling and trying to see if there's more different, if there's more of a mix of opinions. Right now, the comment section seem overwhelmingly against the award and against Dylan. Uh, a lot of people calling for reality. Someone, a lot of people saying women are XX. <laughs> oh, well. Someone by the name of Dr. S. Hart, who does have the trans flag, the Ukraine, uh, what is it, the Ukraine flag, the peace flag. And this person said, quote, wow, what an inspiration. This woman has some balls, unquote. Which, I'm sure the pun was intended. That's 181 likes, so, however. Uh, someone by the name of Liz said, quote, exactly all the makeup and surgery still doesn't change XY, unquote. She got 78 likes. So I have, I'm trying to see if there's any positive comments here or any supportive comments. Thus far, it seemed as if the whole speech was viscerally, vitrally ratioed. As a youth might say, let me know in the comments, do you think Dylan will continue to get million dollar endorsements? Previously, Dylan got a million dollar endorsement for Maybelline, a makeup company, which, again, if you're selling makeup goop, a good way to double your profit margins is to double the audience or double your prospective clients, where traditionally, I mean, mostly women and actors buy makeup. And it'll be interesting to see if public perception is shifting on this topic, and maybe more people are just talking about it, but anecdotally speaking, in terms of me looking at social media, it seems as if more people are speaking out against the acceptance of this particular cultural initiative or um, cultural phenomenon. And there's more and more people who, I know a lot of people are scared because they would lose their job if they said anything against this. And I think the number of people who are afraid are decreasing as more people are emboldened. And hopefully everyone remembers, hey, it's the United States of America. Everyone has the right to free speech. And we used to agree with that. Hopefully we will someday soon. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. But in terms of I don't know if we should maybe start a culture. Maybe we have a business blunder of the day, of course, but I wonder if we should start a cultural blunder of the day. Might be something to think about. It'll be interesting to see where we go from here, but as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting culture news, you have ACT scores at a 32-year low after the teacher unions demanded COVID shutdowns, and of course, they want more money to do less. Now, this should not be surprising at all, and it'll be interesting to see... I wonder, what are people saying? So this is actually a LinkedIn article, and they say that student scores on the ACT college acceptance test have hit more than a three-decade low, according to the ACT organization. Scores have been on downside for six years already, but the pandemic seems to have exuberated the decline. Students who took the test this year were just starting high school when COVID first appeared. Many colleges have done away with the standards of tests. And yet, the teachers... The most one of the most powerful lobbying groups in the United States, most powerful political donors are the teachers' unions. And it's one of those corrupt things you see in the United States where the teachers' unions will get someone elected, 99.9999% of the time, Democrat, and that person gets elected, then they give very lucrative contracts to the teachers' unions, and they ensure they get more and more money. Kind of the circle of corruption goes around and around and around. And I can't help but remember, 
during the pandemic, during the shutdown, they want to have teachers pay the same to work from home. And even though we, everyone with a modicum of intelligence all knew that children were really at risk, they all wanted to work from home basically indefinitely, claiming that the teachers might have been at risk. And fascinating enough, every single year, the teachers, the scores go lower and lower and lower, perhaps because most teachers nowadays, or many teachers nowadays, are spending copious amounts of time indoctrinating children into sexual ideologies, the new religion of their of that community, which has nothing to do with you know things like math, science, which they used to teach allegedly. Uh, it's been years since I actually seen a positive result. But let me know. Do you think? And thankfully, one of the upsides of the pandemic is more and more parents actually saw what these morally mentally vacuous teachers were actually showing children in public schools, so they decided to homeschool their kids. Do you think this trend of continuing homeschool will exponentially increase as more and more parents are starting to see the, not just the lack of value, but the, I'd say the danger of public schools, especially when it comes to indoctrination, not only do they not learn anything, but you're also brainwashing them. So let me know in the comments, do you think this will just fuel the trend of having more and more students homeschooled and as well as going to private school? Do you think they'll, do you think the teachers will, unions will ever accept less money? Will we ever actually hold them accountable? Ever actually have them in a situation where they actually have to perform to get paid? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have UAW Sean Fain, October 13th live stream, but without censorship and with my charming personality. So this comes as, what is it? They only, they only wanted a mere $8,200 billion from the UAW for their year's first offer. And, of course, that would bankrupt the big three because their profits do not exceed what they're wanting. And even to this day, they still want, I believe, now a 30% raise over four years. They want a cost of living adjustment, pensions, retirements. Oh, yeah, they want to only work 32 hours a week but paid 40 hours a week in true union fashion. And a lot of people are saying, well, you're already, before this contract negotiation, you already paid the most, but you make the least reliable product. And your competition is making a cheaper product, more reliable. Uh, and then you, the big three are trying to pivot towards making more of an EV vehicle, which is basically becoming a tech company and compete with Tesla. Prim business decision? I wouldn't think so. I don't think so at all, but it's where the government is forcing them. So that's the way they're going. And it's also the way they want, or some of them claim they want. So it'll be interesting to see. And as Sean Fain is continuing to attempt to perhaps relate to the average union member, he's now acquiesced to... I mean, I don't even think I've seen him wear a suit, which, suit up. Every man should always suit up for important occasions. A couple weeks ago, he was in a t-shirt, and now he is in a, a hoodie. Which, you usually don't see people in the top 5% wage earners wearing a hoodie, but I guess there you see one right now. And he's in his office with his hoodie. It says, Fium, which hopefully he'll explain what the heck that is. And it looks like he has the same standy posters in the background, which says record prop X record contracts. So uh, one says COLA, cost of living adjustment, which again, you want a 40% or 30% raise and cost of living adjustment. And it's hilariously ironic because you voted for people and you've got people elected who caused inflation. And he says, saving the American dream, which, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how his uh, speech goes. But, and again, if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture technology, I've been trying to find a good software where you actually have it shown above my, you know, right over my shoulder, but really struggling to find one that works best. I tried a couple, but still have camera issues where it only show one or the other. So if you have suggestions in the comments section, put them there because I would greatly appreciate it.
Good morning. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge our International Union family who have made the long trip to the United States to stand in solidarity and stand up with our members. Leaders from FIOM, the largest industrial union in Italy, came here. I'm wearing their hoodie today. They were joined by our union family from UNITE, the powerhouse UK union. Also attending were leaders from Industrial, the Global Labor Federation that we all belong to. Our also great examples of how unions cripple countries. When you look at countries who have the most technological innovations, the most automotive innovations, you look at the countries that are the best, it's non-unionized businesses in the United States. We have the antithesis, you have places like France where they work two hours a day, and I'm only partially joking because they work so few hours. But nevertheless, I, of course, they want to emulate Europe and work very, very little. Fight's not just about us. It's about the working class. Oh. Our companies exploit workers across borders. It's our job to unite and organize across the borders as well. I'm proud to be joined by our union family from abroad and want to ensure them and all union everywhere that the UAW stands with all workers in the fight for economic and social justice. UAW family, yesterday marked four weeks since we launched our stand-up strike. I want to take some time today to talk about where we're at, what we've accomplished so far, and what's next for our fight for justice at the Big Three. We're entering a new phase of this fight. Fight for justice when you're already getting paid a lot more than competition. And it demands a new approach. We're done waiting until Fridays to escalate our strike. Oh. Today, we're not announcing expansion of our strike, but we are prepared at any time to call on more locals to stand up and walk out. As always, I want to first take time to honor our UAW family that's currently on strike. Tomorrow marks a full month on strike at the Big Three for our first wave of stand-up strikers. Local 900 at Ford Michigan Assembly, Local 2250 at GM's Wentzville Assembly Plant, and Local 12 at Stellantis' Toledo Assembly Plant. So tomorrow, I'm calling on all of our UAW members and our allies to head to a picket line. Celebrate these members who are leading the way. And not just our big three members, not just for the UAW, but for the entire working class. Our stand-up strikers embody the best of our union. The sacrifice, the courage, the creativity, and the pride. The picket line is a sacred place. There's a lot of long, dark nights, and there's some bright, joyful days. We reunite with old friends, and we make new ones. We learn what it means to stick together through hard times. And it's not just the big three. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan also just marked 30 days on strike. ZF in Alabama is coming close to that point. And our union family at Thombert, Domatic, and West Rock have all been on strike for longer than a month. They're holding the line for a fair contract and are holding out against concessions. Our latest strike is at Mack Trucks. Our union family at Mack overwhelmingly voted down a tentative agreement. 
They decided they were not done pushing and they want to fight for more. And this is critically important. The ultimate authority in our union is the membership. We decide together whether we've won enough or whether we need to keep fighting for more. That's the union difference. The boss doesn't decide, the UAW president and the IEB don't decide. The membership decides. And we collectively decide just like we, just like we collectively bargain. You know, there's some that are trying to say that I'm raising members' expectations too high. They think it's dangerous to tell the working class they deserve more. I want to be clear on this point. I didn't raise members' expectations. Our broken economy is what's raising our members' expectations. And who caused that, Sean? Who did you overwhelmingly give political donations to? Oh yes, the politicians who printed more money than ever before. The politicians who are causing 40-year hyperinflation. Okay, interesting. And our members are right to be angry. Corporate America rebounded after the Great Recession and profits are soaring. In fact, corporate profits have hit a 70-year high in 2022. Meanwhile, the working class has kept going backwards. We've seen our standard of living decline due to stagnant wages and rising inflation. Again, inflation. Who did you vote for, Sean? Income inequality in the United States has now risen to heights not seen since the Great Depression. Clever use of political terms. He knows his demographics of who is tuning in for the most people who are supporting him. So he is good being a good politician in terms of He's saying the things that the people who support him want to hear. So I'm not the cause of raised expectations. The cause is overflowing corporate bank accounts. Although Sean was the one who actually had the original proposal where they asked for, again, 80 to $100 billion from each of the big three. The big three being Ford, Joan Moore, and Stellantis over the course of the four-year contract. So, yeah, all right. The cause is company executives making hundreds of times what the average worker makes. Yes, they also get fired if they mess up. As opposed to a union, if you mess up, you're rewarded again and again and again. You never get fired. So CEOs have to actually do something called performance. They actually have to hit metrics. They are actually held accountable. Words that are, for most unions, the antithesis of what they actually want to hear or stand for. The cause is inequality. Standing up for yourself is not dangerous. It's our obligation to the working class and to future generations. What's truly dangerous is to continue to allow inequality to spiral out of control. What's dangerous is to let the ultra-rich get richer while the working class falls further behind. What's dangerous is to let companies and politicians kick workers while we're down, gut our unions, and rig our economy. So unless employers start coming to their senses... Is there any... I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Are there any companies actually doing that? Or are people just quitting unions because they realize there's less and less incentives for individuals to be in a union when you're just paying Bobby here who pretended to get hurt not to work, or you're covering for Bobby being sick or sick 
because he indulged on some things he shouldn't have indulged on. Maybe people are just sick of you using funds to actually put the funds instead of having the member dues actually do for what it used to be do good, or some would argue they did used to do good. You send it to politicians. Maybe that's why membership is down. Maybe it's because people believe in themselves more than they believe in the group. Whereas if you're in a union, you can't actually you know fight and say, hey, I believe I'm worth X amount. If you're in a union, no, 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 you're a group. Everyone's worth the same. Maybe some people believe they want the opportunity to negotiate their salary on a direct relationship basis with the employer. Unless we start to see real gains in our contracts that match the gains we've seen on Wall Street, then I predict there are going to be a lot more strikes on the horizon. Here in Detroit, workers are preparing to shut down our city's casinos. That's nearly 4,000 workers in the Detroit Casino Council. Almost 1,000 of them are UAW members. 1,100 members at General Dynamics in Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania just voted to authorize a strike by 97%, and their contract expires next Sunday. If we're going to raise standards rather than lower them, if we're going to go from defense to offense, then we're going to need reinforcements. We're going to need to show up for each other in a big way. So tomorrow I ask you if you can do it, show up for each other on the picket line. Bring strikers some food, some music, some solidarity. So now let's talk big three. This week we entered an entirely new phase of our stand-up strike. And let me tell you the story of how the mighty Kentucky truck plan of UAW Local 862 transpired. For two weeks, Ford's been telling us there's more money to be had. They said, hang on, we're close, but there's still some room to continue to sweeten the deal. On Wednesday, they owed us an offer and they gave us a call. They wanted to meet over Zoom and they wanted to pass the same economic offer that they passed two weeks ago with no more money. When he says no more money, does that mean he's admitting benefits or some of the non-money things they wanted? We said if you're going to offer us nothing, you're going to do it to our face with our full national negotiating team in the room. We went to Ford headquarters to see what they had to say for themselves. It was not a long meeting. They tried to give us the same deal that we rejected two weeks ago and not a dollar more. So at that point, I, I said, that's all you have for us. Our members' lives and my handshake are worth more than that. You eh, I mean, would you pay for his handshake? I don't know about that. It's one of those things where a lot of people joke when say, you know, if they shake the hand of a celebrity, they say they'll never wash their hands again. Perhaps the antithesis would be true. You might want like a welding glove, perhaps, to protect yourself. You just cost yourself Kentucky truck plan. We had management leave the room and Vice President Browning, and Kentucky truck plant chairperson John Jaggers, who's on the National Negotiating Committee, and myself made the call. We let John make the call to take the, to take the plan out. We didn't wait till Friday, and we didn't wait a minute. We then called President Todd Dunn at Local 862, and he and his local leadership walked 8,700 members off the job. 
And of course, they had the unwavering support of Regional Director Tim Smith. This is Ford's biggest plant. Ford, of course, put out a statement about how unfair this action is. In that same statement, they admitted that Kentucky Truck generates $25 billion in revenue a year. That's $48,000 a minute. Our labor at Kentucky Truck generates more revenue each minute than thousands of our members make in a year. The revenue generated by our members at Kentucky Truck is so high that if the plant were its own standalone business, it would rank in the Fortune 500. We're not messing around. A negotiation requires both sides making movement. If they're not ready to move, then we're going to give them a push in a language they understand, dollars and cents. We did it the way we did for a simple reason. The company started to wait till Friday to make substantial progress in bargaining. We've been teaching them how to bargain with the threat of a strike. We can get them moving. We can teach them the... The best relationships are always when you have to abuse the other side to get concessions. Keep up the good work. Real meaning of competition. Not a race to the bottom, but a race to avoid further strikes. Ford thought they could sit back and not make further progress in bargaining because they thought they had the best deal on the table. Ford thought they could wait until Friday morning and then just make a better offer. They stop being interested in reaching a fair deal now. And That's funny. Fair to him means bankrupt the companies. Only became interested in gaming our system of announcing strike expansions on Friday. They thought they figured out the so-called rules of the game. So we changed the rules. And now there's only one rule. Pony up. <sighs> We're at the point in this process where we are looking for one thing only. A deal, a tentative agreement. I wish I had more updates or good news for all of you out of GM or Stellantis, but the fact is, we're still bargaining hard with both of those companies, and they are they they're now on notice that we are entering a new phase in this fight. That's why I was late this morning. That I was had Stellantis here, and we were meeting with them with some of the committee members, and uh, you know we gave them assignments. So we'll see where things go. Um, when I tell all of you members to be ready to stand up, I mean it. We're not waiting until Fridays anymore. We're not sticking to one pattern or one system of giving these companies an extra hour or an extra day. They know what needs to happen and they know how to get it done. Taking out Kentucky Truck sent a very clear message not only to Ford, but to GM and Stellantis as well. The message is hire band-aids, which are sometimes pejoratively called scabs, and move to states and countries that are good for business and allow you to make a profit. Is that what is that message he's trying to send? Because that's the message I think a lot of them are hearing. Don't you dare slow walk us or lowball us. We will take out whatever plants they force us to. And to be clear, we remain in a very, very strong position. Already the wage offers we've received are more than the combined raises of the past 15 years. Coal is back on the table in a serious way. Our progression at Ford is back to where it was in the mid-1990s.
But the reason we need record contracts from these companies making record profits is because we are here to address decades of falling standards and unfair treatment of the American auto worker. Now, Ford made a lot of noise after we took out Kentucky truck plant. As the saying goes, a hit dog will holler. He is smiling like a mobster in this picture right here. Nap metaphor. Yesterday, a Ford executive told the press that on the economics, the company has reached our limit. He also said the company has stretched ourselves to get to this point. You know, I found a pathetic irony in that statement. You know who's reached their limit? The tens of thousands of Ford workers with no retirement security. You know who stretched themselves? The Ford workers who didn't get a single raise for a decade. You might remember the video we made about Sarah Chambers, a 17-year UAW member at Ford Local 182. It took her 16 years to make it to top pay. When are we going to talk about Sarah's limit? The Kentucky truck plant we just shut down in Louisville generates 48000 in revenue per minute. That's vastly more than the lowest paid Ford workers make in a year. Now you see, Sean, in business, there's these fascinating things called revenue and profit. They're actually different things. Now, you can make a million dollars a year in revenue, but if the profit is 1%, you're not going to be able to keep the lights on. I feel like I need to clarify this because he keeps using these different points to make him sound better. But yeah, revenue is not the same as profit. And also, you're taking that money from the more profitable divisions to reinvest it into the EV group, which is still losing money. So he's not talking about how the Ford Mustang EMOC is losing money per vehicle. But I partially digress. How much further do they want America's auto workers to stretch? We're not going to keep begging for scraps. Meanwhile, Jim Farley took in $21 million last year. So what? what is your, it's mostly stock because he's invested in the business to make the business succeed. Look at my other YouTube videos from a couple weeks back. I actually went over the executive compensation of both Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, you have Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, as well as Carlos, the CEO of Stellantis, which is a parent company now behind Chrysler, Dodge, as well as Jeep. It's an overwhelming majority of the compensation package is stock, which again, costs the shareholders a fraction of the price. Also, if you increase the executive's pay rate by the same as the all the frontline employees, the difference is one costs millions, the other costs billions, which would subsequently bankrupt the company. Something I can't help but think they probably don't care about. Because again, they were a partial component of why GM and Chrysler went bankrupt in 2009. But I partially digress. We need him to do two things right now. Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror and look in Ford's bank account. Go get the big checkbook. Ford is still losing money on Ford Blue. Or rather, Ford EV. Ford Blue is the only thing making them money. Ford Blue being the original Ford with the F-150 truck. You got the Ford Mustang, the control combustion engine, that division's doing great. Ford EV is bleeding money every single day as they attempt to change the company into an EV company. So yeah, if I was Jim Farber, I'd look in the mirror and go, yeah, we're losing money every second because of the Ford Mustang e a little bastardized uh, EV SUV, which they 
stole the name of the iconic sports car. So we're losing all this money here. We have to reinvest the profits here. And UAW has already paid more than any other automotive competitor that we're trying to compete against Tesla. And yet they're already paid more. Now they want to increase our cost by what, 20, 30, 40%? That's not, that's not fiscally possible. It's certainly not fiscally responsible. The one Ford uses when it wants to spend millions on company executives or on Wall Street giveaways. Wall Street giveaways, you mean, do you mean dividends? Which literally is thanking the people for investing in the company, the people who have a vested interest in the company. And then again, executive, executive packages cost millions. This is what he wants is billions. It's also a different job, different responsibilities. Again, benefit of the union is many people would argue lack of accountability. They are protected by the union. You have thousands of anecdotal experiences, I'm sure in your life and mine, where you have people who are not performing, they're not showing up on time, and yet they're protected by the union. You can't fire them because of the union. Now, go back to the executives, they get fired if they have a couple bad fiscal quarters in some cases. And again, if they don't hit metrics, they don't get those millions of dollars of stocks in most cases. A lot of it is performance-based. But I, again, partially digress. The problem here is clear, and the money is there. It's time to get it done and do right by our members who've generated your record profits. Ford's already threatening that if we demand more, they will close plants. We strike for four weeks and everyone loses their minds. Where were all these concerns when... Again, that's not really, that's a small issue. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you're not making as much money, but again, not a lot of people are buying vehicles right now. You have record high, record, record, ridiculously record high interest rates if you wanna purchase a vehicle. What Ford is worried about is again, the billions of additional costs that they're, they may just have to take on because of the union. Which again, they want to compete against Tesla. Tesla doesn't have unions. They have a lower cost of labor. They also incentivize their employees with stock to work hard and be efficient, which again, I think that might call me crazy, but maybe that's the, the idea of that as an antithesis of the union in and of itself. But that might be, I'm surprised they're not asking for stock. Because again, if you want to be rewarded and work for the upside, why not give them some stock? I think that'd be a good compromise. You know, give them some stock, give them an incentive. But interestingly enough, I'm not hearing that throughout these discussions. And again, there are thousands of officers, officers uh, offers and nuances. Again, I'm no doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it might help with stuttering. Who knows? It might. Now, it'll be interesting to see what is the breaking point for these businesses. Where again, most you watch the show, most companies are laying people off in droves. But the unions want to be paid a record amount. Alright, it's almost done, I promise. 65 plants were closed over the last 20 years. Now, why were they closed? But because they weren't profitable. Why were not profitable? Well, there are many reasons for that, including the design of the vehicle. Some vehicles are less popular. I mean, some of them over time become the less the demand drops off, the profitability isn't there. But one of the biggest components also is the cost of labor as well. And of course, they're going to close the factories down if they're not making profit. One of the best use cases for a company that didn't shut down stores that were unprofitable is Radio Shack, which, again, maybe I'll do a community picture or note in the YouTube channel. But if you look at the top right, if you're watching the show, you can see the edge of Archer, which if you expand the whole size is Archer antennas, it's a Radio Shack sign. 
Radio Shack had so many stores. When they first went bankrupt, they were bought out by American General. A contingency of the purchase was you cannot close down any of your stores, even if they're losing money and they're right next to each other. Which, again, that just set up the, the chain for even just basically just set them up for a lack of success and set them up to fail. Again, that was not the single reason that Radio Shack went bankrupt for good the second time, but is a huge contributing factor. And I think I see a, little, a couple parallels in this situation as well when we're talking about the factories. Granted, it's, such on, it's on a much larger scale with the value of this factory versus the factory of a radio shack store, but conceptually, about the same. Why is it when they kill thousands of jobs, it's business as usual? But when working class people stand up and ask for more, it's a crisis. Ford made seventy-seven billion in profits. They made seventy-seven billion in profits, but they want eighty to hundred billion. Where's the math in that? So again, look, look, just for the fun, I know public schools are all-time low for every metric, really. But again, the original ask was eighty to hundred billion. Let's be conservative. We'll say we'll do it in the middle. So ninety, ninety billion dollars. Which divide by because remember it's a four-year contract, so divide by four years. So they wanted twenty-two point five billion dollars a year, and he just said Ford made. Well, let me rewind that a fraction here. So uh, let's see here. Working-class people stand up and ask for more. It's a crisis. Ford made seventy-seven billion in profits in the past decade. The Again, apples to oranges. Now he's talking decades. What's the year? All we ask is they re. Okay, so that's seventy-seven billion in the last decade. But what was the two thousand twenty-two Ford profit? Ford annual profit. Let's see here. Where's Ford? Ford. Two thousand twenty-two profit. Twenty-three point six six. Uh, annual annual gross profit for 2022. It was an increase from two that 21 billion, then 14 billion. So at that price point, they would actually they break it even. Which again, that's before they're paying dividends. That's not going to make the shareholders or anyone happy. Again, these companies aren't. Again, then they have to reinvest those billions into the EV projects that, ironically, the UAW is forcing them, de facto, who the UAW got elected invested in the people who do the work for the others well, the people who do the work so the executives too right or are you say are you hinting that only the people assembling the cars matter there are a lot of people that are also salaried at Ford headquarters a lot of engineers a lot of people working there but again it's their perspective all they you know they're thinking about themselves just talk a big game about how American they are how they provide American-made vehicles Ford is they employ more American workers than GM and Stellantis when it comes to UAW members. And many of the vehicles are assembled here. Again, one of the reasons they went overseas and across the border is because of the cost of labor, as well as politicians having more and more regulations that hurt, hinder, and kneecap businesses. Ironically, the main politicians that you get elected with your endorsements and your copious amounts of donations. Well, made in America doesn't mean anything if it comes with falling wages, declining living standards, and an uncertain future. That's what our fight's about. We're here to save the American dream. Somebody has to stand up 
and say enough is enough. And it's not just me saying it. A recent poll came out from the AP. It said that only 9% of Americans are siding with the big three in this fight. <laughs> really? 9% of Americans are siding with If that was true, every American would drive a vehicle built by the UAW. They don't. One of the reasons I bought a Honda is bulletproof. The engineers are brilliant. The workers are exceptional who assemble the vehicle. It also has a manual transmission, three pedals like our vehicle should. But yeah, let, let me, let's see what else he is uh, insinuating here. Think about that. Our strike's been going on for a month. Again, 9% of people are for the big three. 9% of what? Give us the sample size. How many people was that poll? What was their income level? What do they do for a living? Now, and the inverse of that is when I do a poll on LinkedIn, again, I'm giving you the sample size. It was two, I believe the last poll is 246 people. And I would say most of them are in technology jobs based on my ecosystem on LinkedIn. But 68% of them voted that they're against the union. So again, know your sample size, know where they are. Just saying that one, that, that statistic, again, if I could implore one important thing in life, when it comes to any statistics people are giving you, always ask, what is the sample size? What is the sample? Because again, there are many variables and even just the way you phrase a poll, you could sway opinion. It's a fascinating science in and of itself, but that's something I like to drive home is, okay, he gives us that number, explain it to us. And I understand he's trying to be, you know, kind of condense, he doesn't want to have his show gone forever. But again, if you want to try to win hearts and minds, give us more data, have more of a conversation, Actually, I'm surprised he doesn't go on podcast. If you really want to win hearts and minds, it, he is a politician. I'm putting this politics part of the podcast because of the big political influence that the big three has. But also, he is a glorified politician, Sean Payne. Why not go on the podcast? Because, again, public sentiment does matter in this scenario. A great way to win public sentiment and opinion would be go on these podcasts. Have a sit down where you're hanging out for two, three hours. It would be pretty, I would argue, be good PR for you. And you give us a better idea of kind of what are your really thoughts behind the traditional speaking points of politicians where you just have kind of the titles of a chapter of a book as opposed to the actual substance behind it. Now, I really wish we'd have, I, that's why I like when I cover these subjects, I appreciate the comic section because we learn a lot about each other and different opinions fascinate me. Now, I wish I could tell you what people are thinking with this, but of course, as always, the comments are disabled by default for this uh, particular individual, Sean Payne. I wish I could tell you how many people like the video, but I can't because they censor that as well. And while I may not agree with many of the people who are writing comments on my channels and my show, I never censor them. I will always respect because, well, partially because I serve myself an American, so I might not agree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Something we used to all hold dear to our hearts. Now, unfortunately, YouTube sometimes overrides me. Ironically enough, the two, the three times I was censored in terms of YouTube where they disabled the comments for me, again, by default, I always have allow all comments. YouTube, I made a video about YouTube censorship, which ironically, they disabled the comments. And then I made a video on Bud Light censoring comments on Twitter. That got the comments disabled. And I believe the third video was a Bud Light statistic video where I was talking about the sales drop from one time to another. And that got censored as well in terms of comments were disabled. And every time I go in there, I would say allow all comments, and change it back, and I reload the page. And within seconds, it already defaulted back. But I moderately digress back to Mr. Sean Fain, where, geez, Lee, is this a little bit, about a couple minutes left. The companies and the corporate media tried to scare everyone about the devastation our strike would cause. 
They tried to convince everyone. Wait, wouldn't that help your cause? Like, actually, I thought, I actually thought that was more helping the unions when you had media outlets talking about the ripple effect in terms of the UAW strike, where you have businesses that aren't a direct employer of, you know, GM, Stellantis, or uh, Ford, but they supply components for them. They are a manufacturer of a small knickknack that goes on the vehicle. And of course, when you have less vehicles being produced, less demand, less demand for your little widgets that you need to put on the vehicle. So I actually thought those articles helped the union. I'm surprised he thinks it's perhaps the opposite. That it's dangerous for the working class to fight for more. Instead, they're learning a hard fact. The working class in this country is fed up with being bullied by rich corporations and the wealthy. The working class in this country is sticking together. They're not the ones causing record high hyperinflation, but all right. The longer our strike goes on, the more the public stands with us. The I don't know about that. I mean, again, I'm running, I should do this a weekly as a weekly poll on LinkedIn and maybe on YouTube as well. Because again, every social media outlet or every area has a different audience. So it's fascinating to see kind of which different groups are thinking and what their take is on the situation. But I don't think public perception is increasing. I actually follow the UAW on Facebook as well as a couple of the parts suppliers and a couple of the dealerships. And it's fascinating to see from a dealership perspective, a lot of those folks are actually very upset because they're having a lack of, of the parts being supplied for the parts department. And they actually blame the unions more than the big three. And one of the things they cite when they have discussion is the absorbently already high wages that they have, especially for the industry. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not 100% with the comments. They never are in terms of being one side or the other usually. But the majority of the time with the parts departments at these dealerships, they're not against, they're not supporting the unions. A lot of people that I talk to, anecdotally speaking, people who are just working hard, trying to make a living, they're also not buying things made by the unions, but they're not supportive as well. So I'm not saying people aren't, there are people who support the unions, but it's not a one side, it's not a, it's not a overwhelming majority one way or the other. I think like a lot of political issues, I think it probably is somewhere around 50-50 if you're to average out all the different demographics, all the different social media, if you look at polls and all the different social media outlets. But I moderately digress. The longer our strike goes on, the more the public turns against corporate greed at the big three. This weekend, I'm heading to Pennsylvania to spend some time with our union family at Mack Trucks. These brave members are out on strike too after overwhelmingly voting down a tentative agreement. The contract they were offered had bigger general wage increases than anything at Mack in recent memory. But it did make up for the inflation. But it still wasn't enough. We've seen the past few years. Again, please just Google how inflation is caused and you'll see how hilariously ironic it is that the UAW is upset with the situation that is inflation. And it didn't restore cost of living. The members of MAC decided together that there was a better deal out there and that they were ready to strike to get it. I've said for months, our union is done playing defense. We're going on offense. We're done aiming low and settling lower. It's time we started aiming high and seeing how close we can get to total economic and social justice. Very clever politician right here. Social justice. That's a very hot term, politically speaking. And a lot of people just aren't mindlessly attracted to that term. Kind of like in technology, a lot of people are attracted to the idea of the cloud. We 
it's a brilliant thing because it you'll ask 10 different people, you'll get 10 different answers for what they think it stands for, but the people who believe in it believe in it overwhelmingly. And again, he is a politician playing towards the people who voted for him. So again, I might not agree with nearly everything he has to say, but from a marketing perspective and political perspective, I think he's doing the things that he is going to appease the people who voted for him. I've also been saying for months that what we win isn't up to me. It isn't up to your executive board. It isn't up to your local president or the president of the United States. What we win is up to us, all of us. It's up to all of you, the membership. I don't know where this journey is going to take us. We're gunning for a deal and soon, a deal that honors our sacrifice and contribution to the big three's record profits. A deal that makes up for decades of givebacks and sellouts and insults. But the long-term goal here is much greater than that. I want us to look back on 2023 and be able to say, man, that was the first big win. That was the one where we, we really learned how to fight. That was the year we took our union back by standing up for ourselves. So today I'm not announcing any further strikes. Instead, I'm announcing a new phase in the stand-up strike. Moving forward, we will be calling out plants when we need to, where we need to, with little notice. So stay ready, not just Fridays and not just forward. Together, we're making history, and together we're going to stand up and win what we deserve. Thank you. Interesting speech, Mr. Fain. Fascinating to say, well, I was going to say, to say the least, perhaps. Let me know, do you think sentiment is really changing so more and more people are supportive of them? Or a lot of people saying, well, wait a minute, we have record high inflation, you partially, maybe say you partially uh, are attributed to, and most companies are laying people off. You already paid the most, and yet you think you deserve more. Where's the logic in that? So again, anecdotally speaking, I have friends who are on both sides of the issue, so to say. But I think a lot of people in the middle are starting to wonder, I mean, what is the breaking point of the big three? Who Again, they used to be the pinnacle of automotive engineering. They used to be able to afford to give out these great benefits before they had, realistically, before they had competition. Detroit used to be the richest city on the planet, believe it or not. You had to yeah, swipe past many pages in the history books to see that. But that was a thing. And I can't but think, again, these companies are trying to put every, they're trying to put their profit, not only to reward the shareholders with, just, with uh, giving them dividends, but they're putting it into the EV projects, which the UAW, hilariously enough, they caused because they got the politicians, and the politicians are forcing the EVs on the public. It's a de facto ban on the internal combustion engine with these absurdly high tailpipe emission standards and the fleet standards. So these companies have to make EVs. And by their very nature, they'll need less rudimentary, they'll need, yes, uh, union labor to make, and they're going to need basically become a tech company, which is an entirely different thing. So there's a huge risk right now with the big three. Do you think they'll make it? They want to compete with Tesla. That's not my words, that's what they are saying. I don't know if that's a prudent business decision. Again, you're going after the best. I would say V8s are where GM, that's where GM really excels. They make a great V8. 
The internal combustion engine, they may have not invented it, but they sure as heck perfected it, you might say. Well, at least back when they made, made uh, manual transmissions to accompany them. But let me know in the comments, do you think, as this political issue goes further and further, what will their concessions be, if any? And will it get to the point where the big three just say, well, we'll go bankrupt if we accept that. Maybe we just hire more band-aids, which are sometimes pejoratively called scabs. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have Vivek on danger of illegal aliens in Israel and the USA goes viral, getting 1.7 million views in a single day. Not too shabby, not to brag, but I did get 18 views on my last tweet, at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G, if you want to hear and see more. And you also have at The Topping Show, which I use for the show, but also to see what Bud Light is up to because they subsequently blocked my personal account. Now, Vivek's specific tweet says, quote, If it could happen in Israel, it could happen here in America. In the last two years, 70,000 special interest aliens from countries with known Islamic extreme, extremist ties were apprehended trying to enter our country through our borders. Yet, the reality is countless more have undoubtedly entered given the porous nature of our de facto open borders. This is an unacceptable and dangerous I visited the northern border last weekend and have headed to Eagle Pass, Texas on Friday to see the southern border crisis with my own eyes. We will fix this. Unquote. Now again, 1.7 million views in a simple day, or single day, that's quite impressive. And in terms of the likes, it looks like 24,600 people liked the comment. Now interestingly enough, will the comment section be positive, negative? Will they be, will they be ratioing him? Let's dive in and find out. Now, it looks like Lily Collins says, quote, it will be too late by next November. This is happening now, unquote. Okay, 49 likes. Something, the name of evil plant lady who gets an A plus for marketing because not only does she have plant emoji leaves, but her profile picture is of a plant. You know what she's up to. Now, evil plant lady says, quote, we know it's millions, not tens of thousands, unquote. She got 76 likes. Someone by the name of the Abe Frubman said, quote, The northern border is a playground compared to the southern border. It needs to be fixed. Bad people have been getting in, unquote. Getting 67 likes. Mr. Doge ETF says, quote, All Americans should stand either Israel, unquote, getting 11 likes using the Israeli flag as well, should stand either Again, grammar is a lost art, so to say, but I read it as it was typed. Some by name of moderate to severe said, quote, sure hope you're wrong, but I suspect you're right, unquote, getting 50 likes. Interestingly enough, why they censor? Uh, some by name of the last Don said, quote, it sure can and likely be, be armed people, unquote, getting 35 likes. Someone by the name of It's Not Rocket Science said, quote, major concern for our country, especially as recent events have really highlighted, unquote, getting 86 likes. Mr. Adam Tumblin said, quote, this is huge, then, then mass deportation of illegals and merit-based immigration, unquote, getting 47 likes. Grammar be damned. So it looks like overwhelming. Someone literally just saying agree with you 100%, getting 41 likes. Uh... Somebody by the name of Gypsy saying, quote, we've already been robbed by special interest aliens from 
from Washington, unquote, getting 48 likes. So it looks like a lot of people saying, you know, too late, too late. Uh, a lot of people saying, thank you, you're right on this. So this might be one of the best ratios in terms of the number of people agreeing with him versus disagreeing in the comment section. And again, he seems to be the only candidate really calling out the danger of the unsecured northern border. Let's see here. We'll do one more. Somebody named Rosa saying, quote, eight plus million unvetted invaders since 2021. These are just the ones we know about. That cannot lead to anything good for a country and our people, unquote. Gained 267 likes. So it'll be interesting to see if this becomes a thing that politicians run on. And again, anecdotally speaking, when I'm looking at all the prospective Republican nominees, he's the only one really talking about the northern border being an issue. Do you think that would be a winning issue, so to say, to call out consistently? Do you think other candidates may emulate him and start to bring up that topic as well? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have DeSantis' team publishes a Trump speech on the Israeli Israel attack, and it backfires. So this comes from the DeSantis War Room, and for them this is pretty good in terms of the number of people who tuned in. It looks like 54,000 people viewed this, and... The video is a little long, it's about four minutes. And again, if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture -picture software or production software, I would greatly appreciate it since I've tried a couple, but still having some technical issues where I'm trying to find a way where I can just play the video while I'm recording the episode. So if you have suggestions, put in the comments and we'll make the show better together. Now, the text before the video, this is from, again, the DeSantis War Room, say, quote, while Israel is in the middle of a war, Donald Trump spent the last 24 hours slamming Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu and Israeli leadership and calling Hezbollah terrorist very smart. See for yourselves. And this looks like it was originally reported by RSBN. And then there was the inevitable attack four days later, which I predicted. And then two nights ago, I read all of Biden's security people. Can you imagine national defense people? And they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north because that's the most vulnerable spot. I said, wait a minute. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say it. You know, I said that President Xi of China, 1.4 billion people, he controls it with an iron fist. I said, he's a very smart man. They killed me the next day. I said he was smart. What am I going to say? But Hezbollah, they're very smart. And they have a national defense minister or somebody saying, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack us from the north. So the following morning they attacked. They might not have been doing it, but if you listen to this jerk, you would attack from the north because he said that's our weak spot. Whoever heard of officials saying on television that they hope the enemy doesn't attack in a certain area. Now, unless it's a con job, but you know what a con job is? You're waiting there ready. You want them if you want them, but they weren't ready. They weren't ready. You know, say what you want. Israel was not ready. This was a big surprise. This was a terrible thing that happened. They weren't ready. Uh, he has been hurt very badly because of what's happened here. He was not prepared. He was not prepared. And Israel was not prepared. And under Trump, they wouldn't have had to be prepared. Look at what we did for them. And we did that alone. We didn't do that with Israel. And you know what I'm talking about. We did that totally alone, not with Israel. And uh, But they were not prepared. 
They were very poorly. Uh, was the prime minister distracted? Their intelligence would have been able to pick this up. Thousands of people were involved. Thousands of people knew about it, and they let this slip by. Don't forget, you know, I did have a bad experience with Israel, though. When we took out Soleimani, it was us in Israel working as a group, and we knew where he was. We knew how he was coming in. We knew the plane. We knew everything. We worked on it for weeks, for months, actually, but we worked on it for weeks. And the night before, no, I, th I don't think this has ever been told. They'll say, oh, it's classified information. Well, maybe it is, but I don't think so. He was going to blow up our installations all over, kill many people, many, many people, and wounded people beyond recognition. And Israel was going to do this with us, and it was being planned and working on it for months, and now we had everything all set to go. And the night before it happened, I got a call that Israel will not be participating in this attack. Nobody's heard this story before, but I like to tell it to Club 47 because you've been so loyal and so beautiful. And I said, I said, uh, what does this mean? We're working on it with them. Why? They're not, they didn't tell us why, sir, but they're not doing it. This was a day before. I said, I don't like that. That's not good. We followed them right from the Situation Room. We followed the whole thing. And about 15 seconds later, it was all over. And we did it. But I'll never forget. I'll never forget that Bibi Netanyahu let us down. That was a very terrible thing. I will say that. And uh, so when I see uh, sometimes uh, the intelligence, you talk about the intelligence or you talk about some of the things that went wrong over the last week. Uh, they've got to straighten it out because they're fighting potentially a very big force. They're fighting potentially Iran. And when they have people saying the wrong things, everything they say is being digested by these people because they're vicious and they're smart. And boy, are they vicious because nobody's ever seen the kind of sight that we've seen. Nobody's ever seen it. But they cannot play games. So we were disappointed by that, very disappointed. But we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. And then uh, Bibi tried to take credit for it. That wasn't good. That didn't make me feel too good, but that's all right. So they got to strengthen themselves up. And then. So that. The Santis Worm thought it would be a good move on the political chessboard to put that video out. And. To say that Trump called the Hezbollah terrorists very smart, which, again, if you're of a business mindset or a sports mindset or, shoot, any mindset, a wise ancient warrior once said, never underestimate your opponent. There's no upside to underestimate. There's no upside to underestimating them. It just makes you less prepared. I mean, he's literally just saying, yeah, they're smart. Well, don't underestimate... Under is that that controversial to say they're smart or they're tactically ad, uh, apt? It, again, a, wood, a good warrior or opponent never underestimates them. Now, they thought this is a brilliant clip to put out. This can hurt Trump. That's that's what DeSantis Worm thought, which perhaps just shows you how utterly inept the campaign has been for them, and this should not be that much of a surprise. Of course, it backfired immediately, as youth might say, it was ratioed. Now. It looks like the very first response was someone by the name of Hollywood Resistance, and they literally have a campaign sign that says Biden DeSantis. They got 27 likes. 
somebody named Max said Trump, what he really really meant was 2024, getting 21 likes. Do you have, let's see here. Somebody named Tiffany, or no, wait, who's this? Michael Capriaco says, good for talk radio, for being president, not so much. So he did get two likes. So you got some contrarians or some people who agree this put Trump in a bad light. Let's see here. Ooh, we have someone with a poll. You know how much I love data. Some by the name of Faux Shizzle. And this person said, quote, Was this a pathetic attempt by Governor DeSantis to discredit Donald Trump? And this poll was a yes or no. Out of the 60 votes, let's see what the results are. 80.3% said, yes, this was a pathetic attempt by DeSantis to discredit Donald Trump. So by the name of Jerry Solsta said, quote, just sinking lower and lower in the polls with the geniuses running the DeSantis campaign, unquote. Getting nine likes. Let's see here. Some by the name of Rick Wall saying, quote, context, Ron, context, unquote. Getting eight likes. Interestingly enough, Faux Shizzle also had another poll saying, who are you voting for in 2024? With the four options being Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Biden, and RFK Jr. Of the 48 people who voted, 68.8% said Trump. Well, 18.8% said Ron DeSantis, 6.3% said Biden, 63 said RFK. Interesting poll. Of course, wish I had more data on, you know, where's the location, the age, and, you know, what, what's the demographics of the people voting, so we have more of a rounded opinion, but an interesting poll nevertheless. Someone by the name of NHT or NH Thinker said, quote, Trump's words were vicious and smart. IDF uses the same adjective, smart, to describe Hezbollah. IDF being the Israeli uh, Defense Force. That statement got 22 likes. Some of the name of Mike Leonard saying, quote, The DeSantis war room sinking like a rock, unquote. Getting 36 likes. Although, he is from Florida, so perhaps we can come up with a better metaphor right here, right now. If he's sinking like a rock, what does Florida have a lot of? Coral? Fish? Tyrese, um, maybe coconuts, sinking like a coconut, although maybe they float, perhaps not the best metaphor. Let me know in the comments, what would be a more appropriate metaphor for DeSantis going down the poles precipitously? He's sinking like a rock, perhaps, what could, what would be a better metaphor for a Florida governor? Like, uh, like the tide? I don't know. We'll, we'll think something in the comment section together. Somebody named Paulette Varshisi saying, quote, Rubbish, I'm a DeSantis voter, but this is absurd. Stop it, unquote. She got 17 likes. Uh, okay, there's a couple. Uh, Mr. Stinson Norwood had a picture of DeSantis, and it just says DeSantis 24. He really says stupid uh, shit, unquote. Got 33 likes, so it's not all against DeSantis. Uh, somebody was Snowy2024 saying, quote, I cannot believe you're doubling down on this nonsense, Worst run campaign I've ever seen, unquote. Getting 74 likes. Someone by the name of Unfiltered Boss did say Trump is a pathetic and bitter old man. He's truly despicable, unquote. Getting 24 likes. So another contrarian statement. Or um, someone who agrees with the Santa's campaign. Uh, someone by the name of Bob Levy saying, If you reposted this because you believe it, I can no longer follow you. Bye. Getting 11 likes. Someone by the name of Johnny Maga, which I'd say A plus for marketing in terms of the picture is someone with a Maga hat. And you know exactly what this person's political ideology is. It's good marketing, you know what it is. This person says, quote, you're really trying this again? 
LOL, you're all pathetic, unquote, getting 133 likes. So quite a lot of reception to that statement. And overall, I'd say um, a lot of people just say liar, liar, uh, get the heck out, lies. Just to say, as the youth might say, DeSantis' campaign was ratioed, which I was going to say even more than usual, which is saying something since the DeSantis war room is perhaps their war room is perhaps a laser tag war room because it is not very effective right now. It'll be interesting to see if they can come back or what kind of different strategic approach they might take. But as of right now, the outlook is not so good. Other interesting political news, you have Ford said they have reached a limit with their UAW offer. And of course, the UAW president, Sean Fain, throws in his two cents. Unlike me, my two cents are really worth three cents. Just saying. Now, it looks like, let me see, I'm looking at the, this is according to Axios. Now, according to the news, you have a quote from someone by the name of Kumar Gutra, who is the president of Ford Blue Division. This person said, quote, on the economics, I would say, yes, we have reached our limit, unquote. And they said, we, we continue to say, quote, we've actually stretched ourselves to get to this point, unquote. Now, of course, Ford Blue is the only reason Ford is in existence right now. Ford Blue is the legacy Ford that you and I know and love, or at least have a tolerable relationship with. That's the Ford F-150, not Lightning. That's the Ford Mustang. It's the things with the internal combustion engine that make money, also known as profit. Now, Ford Blue is making money. The issue with Ford and um, with their transition to EVs is right now the EV division is losing money. They're bleeding money. And the third division is Ford Commercial, which again, internal combustion engine, the very large commercial trucks, that's making money as well. But again, people in the UAW keep saying they're making record profits. Well, yes, when you own a business, you also reinvest those profits. So they're putting it back into the Ford EV division, which makes such things as the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which disgusting, I know. They just took the bastardized Mustang. They just took the name, the logo, and slapped it on an SUV, EV. Ridiculous, to say the least, of course. Now, it looks like, let me see here. The company said, let me see here. Worth noting that Gutra said Ford is open to moving some money around within the deal to get that might need to fit the unions better. But broadly speaking, the overall cost to the deal perspective, they're there. The company said that it is offered a pay increase of more than 20% to pit Jeez Louise, I, I almost had to start three times just for that amount. When's the last time you got a 20% raise? Especially in this economy, which ironically the UAW kind of partially caused by who they got elected with their donations and their support. But nevertheless, yeah, they want a... So Ford is saying they're going to give them a 20% to permanent workers and raise of 26% to temporary workers. That's huge. A return to the cost of living adjustments a ratification bonus, an increased 401k contributions, additional paid time off, and no jobs due to EV battery plants, among other things. That is ins that's insanely good. I didn't think they were going to get the cost of living back on the table, partially because it's one of those things where, at least in corporate America, a lot of people that I know, anecdotally speaking, most people usually just get a raise at the end of the year. They usually don't have a raise and a cost of living adjustment and a pension and all these things that they want. Now, in terms of, I was going to say, I should have dressed up as a, an old gangster from old gangster from 1940s, hey? An old gangster, here. Yeah, that was pretty bad in terms of a uh, attempted accent or an old-timey accent. But it was an attempt, nevertheless. Now, I say that because the response from this, if you're only tuning into the segment and not the whole episode, where we did cover the live stream from the UAW President Sean Fain. Now, 
after they got this historic offer that no, they've never gotten such a good offer before, the AEW's response was, quote, it's time, and again, this is from Sean Fane, the president, it's time for a fair contract at Ford and the rest of the big three. If they can, if they cannot understand that after four weeks, the 8,700 workers shutting down the extremely profitable plant will help them understand that, unquote. Or perhaps they should have dressed us up as Dr. Evil. Let me know if you appreciate comments. Might have to look into that. Or if you appreciate costumes, rather. So yeah, Ford has reached their limit. And again, these companies are all transitioning to EV companies, also known as tech companies, basically. They're going to need a whole new myriad of talent, a whole new myriad of tools, resources. And again, for the short term, it is very unprofitable. It took Tesla years to make a profit. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it does take quite some time. Also, it hurts the big three where their cost of labor is already, before the strike even commenced, their cost of labor is already well above Tesla's. So Tesla has a lot of advantages. They also give their employees stock and they're incentivized to work like hell, not just, you know, not just being rewarded by basis of tenure. Now, I think it'd be perhaps a prudent idea to offer stock to the UAW employees. I don't know if they want that if, if in regards to whether they have more stock. So if they work hard, they get an upside versus a guarantee all of these benefits. But I can't help but think, I think, I think Ford's at, pretty much at their ends and I don't see anything good on the horizon except more outsourcing and more hiring of band-aids, which are sometimes pejoratively called scabs, but I think band-aids is a more appropriate term for the service they provide. Let me know in the comments if you think, will, this, will anything more cause Ford to, to go bankrupt? Or will they just have to go more, more overseas? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have child bibs recalled due to a choking hazard the choking hazard label can detach in an ironic twist. Now, this is specifically for Sleepyhead Lovelies and Bandana Bibs. Those are the brands that are being recalled. And the care instruction label on the Sleepyhead Lovely and the bib can detach, which in and of itself can cause a pose a choking hazard to the children, which is the epitome of ir irony if I've ever seen it. Now. Thankfully, it does not sound like there are any detrimental cases from this or anything passing away, which is why I could insert a little bit of comedy into it. And, but in terms of the number of units it affects, it's quite populous. So it looks like this will affect 450,000 of these bibs. And in additionally, it looks like 3,331 were also sold in Canada. So to have a product, and again, if you're a child, if you manufacture anything for the segment that is children, you have to double or triple amount of efforts you would normally put into child safety, not just for PR or doing the right thing, but also because of compliances and the cost also as well to recall all these bibs. It's not nothing. It adds up in the aggregate. Remember, in terms of recalls and fixing a product, one of the most infamous examples would be Microsoft. When you had the Xbox 360, when they had the red ring of death, that, that engineering flaw, that design flaw, to fix it cost them a billion dollars, a billion, and the reputation and potentially lost sales because of people not trusting the product as much. So it'd be interesting to see how this changes public perception around these particular brands and if their sales subsequently go down or if people are more forgiving. And hopefully people can hear about the recall before anything too detrimental happens. But I would have to say that is certainly the business wonder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. I also want to especially thank everyone. It took us a while, but we were finally monetized. So I'm very happy for that. It means we're gonna turn on the ads and with the additional revenue that comes in, We'll be able to hire more resources, get some maybe creative people to actually design the thumbnails. We'll get some software to do the picture in picture once you get to that point. So I really do appreciate it. I'm very excited to say that we've gotten to that point. So I'll be turning monetization on. 
Also, if you can give me suggestions for the picture-in-picture -picture software for production, I'd greatly appreciate that. I know the feedback, that's something they want. I've tried a couple, but it keeps you know, having some quirks. Also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.